Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. We are in a series called Religious Detox, and Dennis and I are uh, we're defining religious or religion as a system of beliefs and behaviors that promise to bring us closer to God, to bring God's favor and blessing on us. And um, we're, we're, we, we just really want everyone that is in earshot of us to understand that, that religion is, is not what we want to be about. Our relationship with God through Christ, our relationship uh, is totally about what Jesus has done for us. On the cross, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension, sending the Holy Spirit, this is the gospel of grace, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it sets us free from religion. And so um, we're talking about religious detox, and so we want to... The detoxification or detoxication, however you say that, is to remove particles that are poisonous or, or deadly or harmful from living organisms. You know, so to remove those things. And we believe that that's spiritual as well as physical. And so through the years, through, through our Christian experiences, uh, we've heard a lot of, of teaching and a lot of uh, input that is, is, it sounds good, it sounds very Christian, it sounds very religious, but it's really not true. And, you know, I've always said that if the truth sets us free, which Jesus said in, in John 8, then lies bind us. And so many Christians are bound up by, by religious lies and, uh, you know, this toxin, these religious toxins that steal our joy, steal our peace, and keep us from enjoying our relationship with God that has been sealed through Christ. And so last week, Dennis taught about salvation or being saved. And he said, you know, he asked the question, what are we saved from? And he said, it's interesting that never in any of Paul's writings does he ever really talk about hell. Now, not that, they're, you know, not that that's not a religious con- or a, a Christian concept that's in the Word, but but that's really not the focus of Paul's writings about salvation. He basically is talking about the fact that we've been saved from the law, we've been saved from sin and the domination of sin, but we've been saved from the separation and alienation from God. What a wonderful thing that, that everything that would separate us from God has been moved out of the way. And we can have a relationship with God that's not tainted or affected or blocked by anything once we're in Christ. So, so we're saved from something. We're saved from alienation. But I just want to talk about this morning what we're saved to. And, and you know, the toxin of, of conventional religion is that by committing sins or, or, or doing certain things or not doing certain things like pray, praying enough or reading the word enough or going to church enough or, or you know, there's a dozen other other things that we should or shouldn't do, those things can distance us from God, cause us not to be 
in close proximity to God, it, you know, God draws back and, and um, you know, there's a saying, you know, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Um, by the way, that's not, that's heresy. So, so don't just throw that out. Uh, you haven't moved. He hasn't moved. I'm going to prove that this morning. Um, you know, it, we, we can't let our feelings and these false beliefs dictate uh, our relationship with God. So what are we, we, we're saved from alienation from God, but what are we saved to? And this morning, my proposal is that we're saved to union with Christ or what I want to call oneness with Christ. And so the title of my message this morning is simply this, our oneness with Christ. And my original, uh, I, I want to keep these titles short. My original des- design for this, this, the title of the message was, Our Oneness with Christ is Real. It's real. Guys, I have read so many testimonies of great saints who felt so distant from God, and then they had this spiritual experience, and they were drawn close, and they felt they, con- they, they connected with Christ, and then there was this oneness with Christ and you know that was their experience but they were only coming into what was already true about them and so I I just want to I just want to talk about how true and how real our oneness with Christ is now our union with Christ Paul talks about you know in Romans 6 that we're we were united with Christ in his death in his burial and in his resurrection United with him, one with him, in union with him. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Now, 31 years ago, in October, I finally had the courage to make it to the altar. <laughs> I was 33 years old. And uh, I, I put off getting married for a long time because I, I, just, I just couldn't make myself give up my, my autonomy somehow. And so I finally made it. You know, when you get into your 30s as a guy, you know, chances are you're not going to make it to the altar. But I, but I found a wonderful woman in, in my wife, Deb. And, um, and so one night in, in October uh, 1991, I stood, I stood before a pastor and a lot of friends and family and and uh, I, I made this covenant with this woman. I said these words and she said her words back to me. And then in making that covenant, that verbal covenant, you know, Phil Shank, the pastor that, that married us said, you know, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may, Neil, you may kiss your bride. And I kissed Deb and, and then we, you know, we took off to... You know, the reception and then to Cincinnati. And, and the next morning in a hotel room in Cincinnati, Ohio, I remember waking up and rolling over and looking at this person in the bed next to me. And I, a million thoughts ran through my mind. But the one that stands out to me the most was, oh, my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> now, I can tell you 30 wonderful years later, it was the right decision. She is a wonderful wife. She's been a wonderful mom to our kids. She has, you know, just this weekend, I've just watched her knock herself out for the students that she teaches in this project that she's doing. It's just, I just, she's just the greatest. But I was just as much one with her that morning as I am 31 years later. You see what I'm saying? 
We were one. We, we were united in holy matrimony. Holy macromo, holy macaroni. We were in holy matrimony. We were one, and, and, and it was sealed forever. Now, have we grown closer through the years? Well, I mean, I know her more. She knows me more. You know, we, we go through this period where, you know, I can't stand your idiosyncrasies to, to I love your idiot. For some reason, I love your idiosyncrasies. It, life wouldn't be the same if you weren't weird. I know that's how she feels about me. You know, I, I, I know that she loves me. And, but I didn't really know her when, when I rolled over that morning. But we were one, and we still are, and that hasn't changed. And the moment that you invite Christ into your heart, the moment that, that his spirit connects with your spirit and you become alive in the spirit, you're one with him forever. And you just got to know that. So we are we really married to Jesus. I, I don't know if you realize that. Uh, I read somewhere recently uh, that Jesus, he, the, the author said, Jesus isn't returning for his fiance. He's returning for his bride, which implies that we're married to him. We're already his bride. And so I want to look at some very, very familiar passages. In fact, you know, guys, I've gone over these same scriptures so many times that you're probably rolling your eyes when I announce what I'm about to read. But I just want to say this. I, you know, Charles Spurgeon was probably the greatest preacher in the last 500 years. I mean, he's reputed as being, you know, the golden preacher or whatever. I mean, he just, he, he was amazing. And he once said to his congregation after years of preaching in his church in England, he said, I'm surprised that you people come back to listen to me because all I preach is Christ and the gospel. And I just preach it over and over and over again, and yet you, you keep coming back to hear more. And he's like, I just have one nail, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've put it in your forehead, and every Sunday I just hit it again and hit it again and drive it a little deeper and a little deeper. And he says, at some point I go around and, I, and it's come through your head and out the back, and I just bend it so it sticks and it won't ever come out. I hope that's what's happening with you. I don't want you to have a headache, but I hope this is taking root here in a real way. Dennis and I both agree on that. So, my scripture this morning, I'm going to start with John 15, and then I'm going to go back to John 14. This is John 15, 5, but here's, here's my ask of you. Would you please just throw out everything that's, that you've known about the scripture and just hear it for the first time. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now. I just ask that, that every one of us hear the scripture like it's the first time we've ever heard it. In Jesus' name. So I'm just going to read the very first part, the very first line of John 15, 5. Remain, abide, stay, take up residence in me. And I also will do that with you. I will remain in you. I will abide in you. I will stay in you. Permanently. Permanently. I am the vine. You are the branches. That's all I want to say right there for, 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 for this moment. I am the vine. You are the branches. You see... 
the context of this scripture and what we're about to read in John 14 is that, that Jesus is with his disciples for the last time before his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. He is now done being with them in the flesh as a, as a human. He is, he's going to have a different relationship with them from that point forward. And he knows it. He realizes it. And they can't comprehend it. They don't have the Holy Spirit yet, as we're going to read in a moment. And so they don't understand a thing he's saying. They're trying to comprehend it with human minds, with fleshly minds, and they just simply don't get it. But I want to say this. Jesus understands everything he's saying. And he's saying, I am the vine. He is already the vine and you are the branches, but you know it's going to be like a you will be the branches. Once I get where I'm supposed to be, then you'll be in me. And here's the thing. A vine without branches is just a stump. And branches without a vine is just a dead stick. And so one can't, a vine can't be a vine without branches, and branches can't be real branches without a vine. And the, the interesting thing about vines and branches is you don't know, know where one stops and the other begins. What a great analogy. This is truly probably the best analogy that Jesus could come up with. Imagine that, Jesus coming up with a good analogy. Um, but, but they're really one in essence. The only difference between the branches and the vine if you play this analogy out, is that the vine is actually the source. The branches will never be the source. But we can be so connected, and we are so connected with the vine, that everything that's true of the vine is true of us, except he's the source. The same sap running through the, the same Holy Spirit, the same sap running through the vine is running through the branches. And so we are one with him. And Watchman Nee said it straight up. Everything that's true of Christ is true of us. That is just mind-blowing. And the only way that can be true is that he is in us and we are in him and so we're one. Christ Jesus is the source of our life. And I want to read a scripture that I meant to read right out of the gate and somehow overlooked it. But I want to go back to if you could put up 1 Corinthians 1.30. I love this. Listen to this, guys. Listen to every word of this. By God's doing. Now, now you've got you to realize these Corinthians. Now, this is Paul. This is, this is after the resurrection. This is after the ascension. This is after the Holy Spirit has come. Paul has planted a church in Corinth, and these are the worst Christians on the planet. They're babies. He calls them babies. He says, you... You're a bunch of babies. You can't even understand the, the, the meat of the, of, of, the, of the truth. You don't get it. But before that, he calls them saints, holy ones. And listen, this is in the first chapter of the first letter. By God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us, who became, past tense, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption which implies that you and I are righteous, holy, and redeemed. Amen. You know, I, I, I just, sometimes I look at this scripture and I was like, Paul, you, you, must have, 
you must have been a little dizzy or something when you wrote this. Shouldn't redemption have gone first? You know, aren't we redeemed before we're righteous and holy? I think he did that on purpose. Guys, we get the whole package. Just like with Deb, when I married her, I got the whole package. I didn't, I hadn't unpacked it yet. I hadn't unpacked our relationship yet. I didn't really know her. I thought I did. We'd only been engaged for about eight months when we got married. But, but there was all this unpacking to do in our relationship. And one of the things I'm hoping is happening right now for you, it's happening for me as I prepare these messages and as I listen to Dennis's message. Man, I was in tears. I was 770 miles from here last Sunday night when I listened to Dennis's message and it brought me to tears, as did worship. I cried like three times. I'm so glad I was you know, somewhere where no one could see me do that. But I was moved to tears as I listened to Dennis talk about our salvation and how free it is and how, how we are no longer alienated from God. But it's, it's even better than that. We are, put that, please put that scripture back up. He has become for us, become, he became for us our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Guys, yes, we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We get that. Hopefully by now you understand that you are saved. But we are righteous because Christ is righteous and lives in us. We are holy because Christ is holy and lives in us. And that is true regardless of our struggles, regardless of our sins, regardless of the things that we deal with on a daily basis. The problem is we believe our feelings and our experience over God's word. And that's one of the biggest problems we have. But here's what Christ intended for us. As he's explaining to these knuckleheads at the Last Supper, and they were knuckleheads, trust me. You guys are way more, more smart than they are, were. Because you have the Holy Spirit. You, you actually have someone inside you who is actually interpreting what I'm saying right now. Dennis used to do a lot of interpreting in, Rus- you know, uh, in Russian for people that would come from the U.S. in different places to speak. And, and he would translate what the, the speaker was saying so that the Russian people could understand it, the Russian audiences. The Holy Spirit's doing the same thing for you right now. I'm speaking as plainly as I can, but in the flesh... This isn't going to land. But we've already done a lot of praying this morning that the Holy Spirit's going to translate this right into your brain and into your heart, or your mind and your heart. And by the way, this whole detox thing, it's the renewing of our minds. Remember we taught on that, Romans 12? We're transformed. Our lives and our hearts are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this whole thing, this whole detox series, is a, is a series on renewing our minds. So please, again, listen to these words. I've, I've probably spoken on this text probably three times just this year. But there's so much more. It's, it's so much deeper than we are, we've gone so far. So I want to I start with, with um, uh, John 14 and begin with verse 16. So let's just look at that. I mean, Jesus has been talking about a lot of stuff, and so he says, and. (laughs) So let's just bypass the and and go straight to it. I, Jesus says this to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. I'm your advocate, but there's another advocate that's coming to help you and be with you, get this, forever. How long is that? 
forever? When is that disrupted? Never? It's eternal. It's forever. Forever means forever. I looked it up. It means forever. And ever and ever. Now he defines the advocate. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. The truth sets us free. The truth sets you free. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Man, the world has gone crazy, honestly. The world is crazy. It's just crazy. But you know him, he says. You know the spirit of truth, for he lives with you. How? Because he's the one talking through Jesus right there. This is the Holy Spirit talking about himself through Jesus. For he lives with you and will be in you. As soon as I get back to the Father, I'm sending the Spirit. And then he says this, really interesting. He's talking about sending the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm sending my Spirit, but I will come to you. Before long, the world will, see, will not see me anymore. They're going to hang me on a cross. They're going to put me in a tomb. They're going to forget about me. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Or you, yeah, also will live. On that day, probably talking about the day of Pentecost, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That is very very intimate language right there. How in the world can you get any closer than you being in someone and them being in you? As close as we are to our spouses, we can never have that kind of union. But that's what happened to you the moment you asked Jesus into your heart. The problem is, guys, we just don't see it. We don't, and if we don't see it, we can't believe it. We can't embrace it. And so we go through life not knowing who we are. We don't understand our identity, which is, by the way, you, you put your name in the blank in Christ Jesus. That's your identity. That's your only identity is in Christ Jesus. You are a branch. He is the vine. That's who you are. You're an extension of him. You're one with him, and, and you live in him, and he lives through you, and that's who you are. Never forget that. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What an incredible union. Whoever has my commands, which is basically love one another, and keeps them is the one who, lo- uh, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Let's skip to verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, love one another. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home, our abode with them. So he's going to send the Spirit. Then he's, he and the Father are going to come and make their home in us. Guys, this, this is an incredible concept that, that we just got. We, we have to believe this. We have to embrace this as the truth so that we can begin to live out of that truth and become everything that God wants us to be. 
And sin does not change this fact. And addiction does not change this fact. And our struggles and our hardship and our bad behavior and our bad decisions doesn't change this. Truth, you are one with Christ. And as we embrace this, as we believe it, as we begin to, to, to say, Lord, I'm choosing to believe the truth of your word over my own experience. Because sometimes I live a lie. And I'm realizing more and more that I have so, for so long lived a lie because I haven't lived out of this truth of my union with him. And your union with Christ is unbreakable. The Lord hates divorce. And he said, what God has brought together, let no man separate. He's not going to leave. He said here, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you as orphans. This is an unbreakable bond. He doesn't cast off his branches. He prunes them, but he doesn't cast them away. Your union with Christ is unbreakable. So I'm so thankful that we live in a new covenant. And I forgot to invite Dennis up to do communion. I'm very sorry. <laughs> You're gonna, oh, you do communion right after I'm done. Okay, we're, we changed the order of things, so I'm, I'm confused. No problem. Dennis is not confused. I'm confused. But, but we're, you know, what we're going to be celebrating this morning is the new covenant. The old covenant was transactional. The old covenant said sin can separate you from God. Sin has to be atoned for. If you sin, you better bring your sacrifices. You better, you better come and, and have something to offer the Lord. And blood has to be shed in order for, for those sins to be taken away. That's no longer true in the new covenant. But because by one sacrifice, Christ has has forever made holy those who, or has made perfect those who are being made holy. By one sacrifice, he has perfected forever. That's what it says, those who are being made holy. Hebrews 10, 14. He's perfected us forever. And now, in this new covenant, we, we don't have to do those sacrifices. We, we don't have to worry that sin is going to somehow separate us from God. You know, De Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, towards the end, it talks about all the blessings that would happen if, we, if you obey the Lord and all the curses that would happen if you disobeyed the Lord. Christ became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now you are the living, breathing temple of the Holy Spirit. You, you're, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go to a temple and make sacrifices. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The presence of God dwells in you and me. You know, David had one of the most New Testament-like relationships with, with God of, of anyone that lived in the Old Testament. And yet he still prays in Psalm 27, Oh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. He wants to go and dwell in the house of the Lord the good news, folks, is that you are now the house of the Lord. You don't have to dwell there. He dwells in you. You never have to worry about asking him to come. You don't have to pray, oh, Lord, that I may be closer to you. He's as close as the air that you breathe. You're the New Testament house of the Lord. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6 Three through five talks about our oneness with Christ. We're planted together with him in his death and burial. 
and we're raised to live a new life in the Spirit. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says that your, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's union. Ephesians 1, 3 Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2, 6, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Every blessing in the heavenly realms seated us. We're one. We're, we're here, but we're also seated with him on the throne until his enemies and our enemies are made a footstool to his feet. So guys, here's the question. What does this oneness with Christ look like? What does this oneness with Christ look like to the average Christian? I'm going to say this again. This is a series on renewing the mind. And my main point is that you and I are already one with Christ. Okay? Can we establish that? I feel like I've, I've made a pretty good case for that. If I was an attorney, I would be ready to say, Judge, I, I now rest my case. And I'm about to rest my case on that seat over there. But anyway. <laughs> I just want to remind you of some things. Just rapid fire. And you may want to listen to this sermon again just to catch these. Because we, we don't preach, you know, multiple point sermons anymore. My, my one point is that you and I are one with Christ, period. But I want you to remember this in renewing your mind. Re- remember that oneness means closeness. I have prayed so often to, to this God who is over in some other universe that's, that's out beyond you know, the atmosphere. And, and, I, and, and Jesus lately has been saying to me, Neil, I'm right here. Stop talking to me like I can't hear you or answer you. Like I'm right here. So just talk to me like like I'm your best friend because I am. He's your best friend and he lives in you. He's closer than anybody else in your life. He is your best friend and he wants to hear anything you want to talk about. I have really found that he doesn't care what you want to talk about. You could talk about the weather. He loves hearing you talk about the weather because he created it. God, that Lord Jesus, that is a beautiful sunset. Yeah, I know. I did that just for you. He's told me that before. I did that just for you because I knew you'd be watching today. I'm right here, Neil. Remember that in spite of your sin, he is already your righteousness, holiness, and redemption. He's your very life. Remember that he is your identity. You are in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. And that will never change. Remember that in everything you do, you do it with him. And when I got up to preach this morning, I said those words. I taught this about four weeks ago. I said to the Lord before I got out of that chair, I said, Lord, I can't can't do this. But you can. Would you please do it? And he said, yes. He said, yes. And I trust that he's doing it. I can't, but you can. And I'm going to let you, Jesus. If you, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. If you abide, just stay in me, you'll bear much fruit. 
Remember to trust and believe what he says about you in his word and that is more true than your feelings or your struggles. Your feelings or experience. Your feelings will lie to you. Your experience will lie to you and tell you that you're less than or you're not what he's actually made you. You're not really righteous. You're not really holy. Somebody told me this morning that they were struggling with just their redemption. They weren't sure they were, you know, that they had been struggling with the fact that they're even saved. That's a bullcrap. You're saved. You're righteous. You're holy. In Him, in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him. Your oneness with Him. And then remember that you have, you walk in His authority. You walk in his authority over disease. We Revive night, next Saturday night, people are going to get healed because we have his authority to heal. We have his authority to cast out demonic spirits. In the last three years in doing integrated healing, I did the math. The most conservative figure, I've cast out close to 800 demons. Now, I mean, please please don't be impressed by that. That's just the normal Christian life. We can all do this. I just happen to get paid full time, so I have a little more time to set up these meetings and do this. But man, I love watching these things flee. I'll tell you this one last thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Dennis to come up and, and, uh, and, and share communion with us. But about two years ago, I think it was, Dennis um, had his very first wedding. And uh, he had done all kinds of other things. I mean, he's preached since he was you know, a teenager, I guess. But he'd never done a wedding, and so he got to do a wedding. And so he asked me if I would kind of walk alongside him to do this. He did a great job. He'll never need me again. But I remember that as he was, you know, the bride and groom were standing before him, and we were outside at Simon Kenton Farms, and, and uh, so we were out in the weather. And, and so I looked at my phone, and there was a storm headed right at us. I mean, it was coming right at us. And as he's getting towards the vow part, you know, the wind is blowing, the, it's getting darker, and I just, I just remember turning around in my chair, and I faced south, which is where that storm was coming from, and I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you foul storm, you will not disrupt this wedding. Go around us in Jesus' name. And I said it very quietly. I didn't have to yell or scream, and I, I sat there and I watched on my radar, this storm split in half and went this way. It never, we never got one drop of rain at that wedding. That's the authority that you and I have in Christ because we're one with him. The, the, the bride, every time I see the bride's mother, mother uh, saw her in a restaurant just three weeks ago, and she brought that up again because I showed her the picture. I took pictures of that. I got it in my phone if you want to see it, where that storm was headed at us and it went this way. It just split in half and went around us. But that's the, that's the authority that we have in Christ Jesus because we're one with him. Let me, I'm just going to pray and we're going to have communion. So, Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his, sending him to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to establish a new covenant in his blood, to take the transactional relationship away Christ fulfilling all of that transaction on the cross. He paid it all. He said from the cross, it is finished, paid in full. Everything is taken care of. And then he died. But then he was raised. 
And he has sent his spirit, Lord. Father, thank you for all of this, that it's true. And now, through his spirit, we are one with you. We are one with the Trinity. We are in that family. And we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.